You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And belly up to the 9-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. This is Socks in the Basement. 30 minutes of socks for fans, by fans, or if you believe Tony LaRussa, it is a show put on by two people who are not really White Sox fans, done for an entire group of people that are not really White Sox fans. Because if you question the organization in any way whatsoever, you are not really a White Sox fan. This not really a White Sox fan show is brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions. If you want to keep water out of your basement, you want to protect what's valuable to you, the foundation of your home, anything from window wells to sump pumps, gutter cleaning, draining water out of your yard, exterior wall ceiling, uh, you got anything moving around like concretes moving on the patio or the sidewalk, that's a foundation issue. They handle it all. Family-owned, veteran-owned, and operated since they started in 2013, named one of the South Town's best in 2021. I'm sure they'll get that again this year. For 24-7 service, call them at 708-330-4466. See what a difference a family makes at FamilyDry.com. Can I read the quote right off the bat? Yeah, for those who, who for those who missed it and why we're not really White Sox fans. Right. Because they're very confused right now. But go ahead, read the quote. Read All the right. quote uh, verbatim. Okay. There were, well, there were two, two different ones that I saw get put out. I, I think Scott Merkins is probably... Th- the one that puts it in the most context, even in the best context, it sounds terrible. Here's what Merck sends out. LaRusa, Tony LaRusa, was asked in this morning's media session on fans wanting the organization to go out and add someone else for right field. Does he view it as a necessity? So he was asked, fans are clamoring for somebody else in right field. Do you think it's a necessity? Now he could say something along the lines of, We've got a plan here. We could, he could say, I'm confident in my guys, but no. He says, quote, those are probably the fans who are not White Sox fans. White Sox fans know there are guys in this camp who can handle it. Guess what? You're clearly not a White Sox fan if you don't agree with the organization. And trust me, from the moment that Andrew Vaughn went down over the weekend, and thank goodness it's only about a two-week injury, From the moment people said, see, that's why you need a real right fielder out there. And we don't need these kind of injuries. This whole idea of just stay healthy. And as long as we stay healthy, we've got like a puncher's chance in this thing. What you should be doing is making sure you have done everything you can to try to win a World Series here in 2022. The moment that people started questioning it on social media, what happened? Members of the corporate podcast, people that work for the White Sox, either directly or indirectly, people who work for media organizations or do shows in which they get support from the White Sox, either money that's funneled into the station or directly to them. All those people, you could noticeably see them start saying, well, that would have happened to anybody. Any right fielder would have looked that horrible on that play and injured themselves. Are you kidding me? Adam Angle makes that play running and never even has to dive. It's it's silly, but it's it's happening already. The ugly part of the Chicago White Sox, which is whenever you say something that doesn't agree with the company line, we will trash you and we will tell you you are not a fan. And it's a clown show when they do it, Ed. 
Yeah, that part I can't. I, I, I can't understand how you could sit there and say you're not a fan of this team if you are looking at this thing and going, well, hey, why didn't we add to the team in the offseason? Why didn't we add, you know, Michael Conforto is the name that everybody goes back to. That's not fandom. We're not sitting there going, hey, we, we would love to see the team improve. And frankly, yeah, as White Sox fans, we know that there are guys in camp who can handle it, quote unquote, but are they going to win a World Series or are they just going to handle it? Larry Garcia can handle right field. Larry Garcia is not good enough to be a championship right fielder. No. no he's just not as good. He's just not good out there. And and so, yes, I, I, I would I would have absolutely been with Tony if he said, look, there's a lot of guys we want to get on the field and a lot of guys we want to get in the lineup. That's a spot that we want to do it. Okay. Okay. You know what? That's fair. And 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 getting to the argument about Andrew Vaughn, there's two lazy takes that I saw, and they're not quite what you said, but they're very close, okay? One is not that Andrew Vaughn or another right fielder would have gotten hurt making that dive because on the dive itself, sure, there's always a possibility even an experienced outfielder can get hurt, but that's neither here nor there. It's the, if Andrew Vaughn wasn't out there, he wouldn't have gotten hurt. That That's a terrible take because no kidding. You know, but then wrap everybody in, in bubble wrap in spring because somebody's going to get hurt, okay? It's going to happen. Adam Engel got hurt last year just running. Luis Robert got hurt running down to first. Nick Madrigal got hurt running down to first. It, it, injuries are going to happen. Aloy Jimenez, who was an experienced outfielder in the minor leagues, got hurt doing something stupid in spring training too. Maybe telling Andrew Vaughn to tone it down would have helped, but that's not the problem. The, the bigger problem I have is this sort of narrative that Andrew Vaughn is just a first baseman or Andrew Vaughn is just a DH. Maybe that would have been true under different roster construction. But the fact is, is that he becomes an important bat for this lineup. You're right. It's sheer luck that he's only out for a couple of weeks. But I, everybody who's sitting there going, he's Jose Abreu's replacement at first base. I don't care about Jose Abreu's replacement at first base. I care about where Andrew Vaughn's going to play right now. And Andrew Vaughn, Wants to be an outfielder, he may not be good at it. At some point, the team may need to step in and say, look, you got to get much better at this before we're going to put you out in game situations anymore. But that's it. And if you want Gavin Sheets in the lineup, you're going to have to figure out where to put him. It's a bad roster construction is what you're really complaining about. But instead, you're sitting there saying, no, we got to worry about where Andrew Vaughn plays down the road. Or we got to worry about putting him in a position that's already filled. Or we got to worry about taking two bats and shoehorning him to one DH position because we're going to sit here and pine for something that they're not going to do, which is replace that empty hole in right field with a potential all-star or with somebody who we would view as an everyday player. But does that make me a bad fan if I'm sitting here saying, I, I really I agree with you, Andrew Vaughn is really not a good outfielder. He just, he just doesn't know how to play the position yet, and whether or not he would have gotten hurt or whether or not somebody else would have gotten hurt or attempted a dive out there doesn't make a difference. I don't know. I mean... I don't necessarily want to see Michael Rodolfo out there anymore either because he's supposedly not a very good outfielder either. And we've seen what happens with Aloy Jimenez on the other side. You know, if you're not if you're not good, you try and do too much. Unfortunately, that's how the roster is constructed. And I I kind of I got into it a little bit over the weekend and not really got into it. I just basically responded to something that was written uh, on the old social media on the Twitter about, you know, Jerry Reinstorf and people that are blaming Jerry Reinstorf. And I, I pointed something out very simply from the Sox in the basement account. He's got a payroll over 190 million. 
You know, you add these things up differently. Everybody's got like a little bit different way that they try to figure out how the payroll is going to end at the end of the year. I went with fan graphs. They got him about 193, 194 million right now. He's there right around the top five. I think they were fifth last I checked in projected payroll. Okay. It's not Jerry Reinsdorf's fault that Rick Hahn went out and spent $15 million replacing Ryan Tapera and Craig Kimbrell with Graveman and Kelly, but yet still picked up Craig Kimbrell's $16 million contract and can't move him. That is a that is a mistake in your roster construction and not using the resources given to you in the budget provided by your owner. And, and then I heard the argument, well, Tony LaRussa is the guy who's making these decisions. That's what people believe. Well, since Tony's in there and he's got the air of Jerry Reinsdorf, we said it. We think that if Tony wants something and Rick can convince Tony we need something, he can probably get the old man to open up the wallet a little bit, right? But the only thing I can think of that Tony LaRusso could have had any influence on is bringing back Larry Garcia at $5.5 million. He might have pushed for that. Okay. You, you can't tell me that, that he wanted Craig Kimbrell back, even based on his early uh, um, uh, spring training comments where he talks about like very vaguely, like, is he going to be here or is he not going to be here? You almost get the feeling like he's surprised they haven't moved him yet. You can't blame him for the $18 million in Dallas Keuchel money. That is sitting out there and the fact you can only use them for a certain amount of innings or invest for next year. You, there are there are misused funds and resources and roster construction is an issue. Your general manager had a four year rebuild and then two extra off seasons to solve right field and he hasn't done it properly. And you as a fan have a right to say, what the heck? You have a, you as a fan have a right to say you should have done something else with that position. Now we're kind of stuck. I, uh, I mean, if they bring in Conforto or not, I don't care. If they trade for Austin Meadows down in Tampa Bay, sure, fine. If they decide to go to war with this group to start the year, okay. They're a good team. They should win the division. But if if they go into the postseason still with a really bad defensive outfielder in right field, I think that every fan, every fan, even the ones that are giving them the benefit of the doubt right now, every fan is going to be sitting there saying the same thing that these supposed non-White Sox fans are saying, that you should you should have done more with that position. And I think it's a legitimate concern. I think it's insulting that the organization thought, uh, any member of the organization, even if this is just Tony speaking out of turn and they pulled him off to the side later and said, you can't say that. Anybody in the organization taking that shot at the fan base, an unnecessary shot, again, he could have just sat there and said, we believe this, we believe differently. An unnecessary shot at your White Sox fan base. That stinks. It, and, and I really hope I don't spend an entire season having to constantly push back against the corporate line of this team because that, that's not how you should be treating your fans. And it was a it was the wrong thing to say. Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. 
and they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. I want to get into what the solution right now with what we have on this roster. If Tony La Russa truly believes that what is on this roster, what is in the organization, will get it done in right field, then I would like to talk about really who should be out in right field. Because I don't believe it should be Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets. And the reason I don't believe it should be Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets is we're talking about the number eight hitter in your lineup if you do this correctly. We're, we're really are. Right. We're talking about the number eight hitter in your lineup. Okay, right now in the top seven positions, Tim Anderson, Yuan Moncada, in any order, Tim Anderson, Yuan Moncada, Luis Robert, Aloy Jimenez, Yasmani Grandal, Jose Abreu, those are six right there. The seventh guy is whatever DH you decide to choose between Sheets and, and Andrew Vaughn, and your eighth guy is your right fielder, and your ninth guy is, is Josh Harrison. Okay, we're talking about the bottom of your lineup, and in my mind, I would rather see a right fielder out there. Even if Adam Engel does not provide the offense, I'd rather see him in right field. If Mike Rodolfo is a solid enough defender, why not give him a shot? Because we're talking about the eight hitter. If if Yoki Cespedes is the plan, like, hey, if we can send him down the AAA for a couple of months and then bring him up and he's going to be almost like an addition to this team, if that's the plan, I can accept that. I will have serious problems, though, if you just keep trying to put a square peg in a round hole and stick somebody out there that's bad defensively when we knew the moment that postseason ended that one of the biggest flaws this team had was a lack of defense out there. And I don't know why you're so worried about offense from the number eight spot in your order, Ed. Well, and that's one of the reasons why I I also kind of agree with Rick Hahn's failure to sign a guy like Michael Conforto to a $20 million a year contract. You know, you are talking about a guy who might hit seventh or eighth. And... That largely depends on where on where you view Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn as your DH options, okay? So with Vaughn and Sheets, I will give them as players credit for wanting to do something more for themselves than just be first-base DH types and trying to make themselves into something better and more valuable to the White Sox and for their careers, quite frankly. I mean, Vaughn, frankly, as an outfielder, makes a lot more money down the road than he does as as a, a you know a, a first baseman or a DH. So I credit them, but I agree with you, too, that you're looking at this from the standpoint of they need Jermaine Dye back. You know, they, they need Mags Ordonez. They need one of their all-time great right fielders. What they really need is they need a competent play out there, and they need competent defense, and they need a guy who's not going to kill them. You know who they need is they need a version of Aaron Rowan. Defense first, whatever you get off the bat is gravy, and then, you know, you trade him for Jim Tomey later down on the road. But that's neither here nor there. The other thing, too, is is the, the concern about, I think, getting Andrew Vaughn into the lineup, as I've watched him hit, is it's legitimate. I think his bat plays very, very well. But I'm also of the mind, too, with him and Sheets, that if you don't have room for them and you have something that is comparable, if those guys go back down and get a little bit more time down in the minors, so be it. And... It sucks for them, but if, like you said, Mike Rodolfo is the better defensive option right now, 
and you got to give him a shot. You don't have any options left for him. You can't really send him down. If he gets his chance right now because of the Andrew Vaughn injury or he gets his chance right now because he's the better play all around and the better option, go for it. I want to win now. I'm not really worried about where Vaughn is two years from now, where Sheets is two years from now. The Sox need to worry about right now, right now. And I think that's the bigger frustration with with fans too is just sitting there going, okay, we understand that you're saying that you got guys you think you can handle it, but you haven't shown to us in the past two years that this team is ready to advance beyond the first round of the playoffs. So why should we believe now? And if that means not being a real Sox fan because you're not just taking blind faith that a team can get better by just quote-unquote getting better and progressing as individuals, I don't know how as fans we're not supposed to look at this and go, you know, we don't have that full level of faith when all we're doing is watching the same thing over and over again and wondering if it's going to be a different result. And it is. It is all back to roster construction. It's back to Rick Hahn. And if you want to, if you want to pull the pitchforks and torches out on Rick Hahn for picking up not only Kimbrell's option when he didn't need to, making the trade for Kimbrell when you arguably didn't necessarily need to, those are more forgivable than the very idea, though, that, uh, in my mind, that you're going to commit as you're spending the dollars that you are going to not be selective knowing you've got a budget and you're going to commit to guys that are not in their prime, that are on a downswing, that other teams had looked at with skepticism, and I'm talking about Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel, and that's where a big chunk of your money is going to be committed, and it's going to handcuff you right as you are on the cusp of of taking this thing over the top. Yeah, I, I think it's completely fair for any White Sox fan to sit here and ask about roster construction. We went through a very long rebuild. We We sat there and suffered through a very long rebuild. We're excited about what we have. Look, Luis Robert the other day, I watched somebody throw a throwaway pitch low and outside to him that the pitcher had no intention of even getting called a strike. Uh, The catcher was just figuring, we'll just try to set him up for the next pitch. And nobody has any business taking that thing yard. Oh my God, that was gorgeous, wasn't it? Yeah, he just put it right out. He just put it right out. And, you know, he's got incredible talents. And I think Aloy Jimenez is going to be a beast this year. And I... I love every aspect of this team with the exception of what's going on in right field. And I'm a little concerned about the starting pitching. I don't know what Vince Velasquez is and why he's on the team on a major league contract. I, when you're on a budget. Okay. I actually like Josh Harrison. Well, you and I wanted Harrison last year. That's, that's the guy we wanted at the deadline. I know. Wasn't it? Yeah. That's who I wanted Harrison. at the deadline. I wanted him. You reminded me of that the moment that he signed. Okay. Like, remember you wanted him. And I'm like, you're right. I did want him. And, you know, I look. you look at Nick Mandrigal and you look at Josh Harrison. Look, I would much rather have had Nick Mandrigal. Think of all the problems that would have been solved if we never made that trade, right? Like, we don't go any further in the postseason. But you'd be starting this year with a younger player that over 200 at-bats last year had a 1.2 wins above replacement B-war, baseball reference war, against Josh Harrison, who over about 505 at-bats had a 2.1 wins above replacement. If you extrapolate out Madrigal, it'd be like he'd have three wins above replacement to uh, Harrison's 2.1. I, I, and does that really it's make fine. a big difference? No, you're splitting hairs at this point. No. You would have liked to have Nick Madrigal, but I have no problem with Harrison right now. I don't think what you have at second base is going to be the difference between winning a World Series and not winning a World Series. Okay, If it was Madrigal or Harrison... I don't think it would make that much of a difference this year. That, that's that been pretty much covered. I have absolutely no problem with it. 
I like the fact that you went out, you got Graveman and Kelly, even if Kelly isn't starting right away, because in my mind, he they replaced Tapera and Kimbrell, and you have a really good bullpen. I like the fact Michael Kopech is going to come out here and he's going to pitch, and it would have been nice to get Carlos Rodon back, but you and I were never that confident in him. And I, let's see, time will tell on what his season is this year. It really will. Oh, yeah, it will. Yeah, just because the Giants gave money doesn't mean the Giants were right. Let's let's see what happens there. I can accept everything that happened in the offseason, except you didn't address right field and you're carrying $16 million on Craig Kimbrell that you could have just let go and it would have given you more flexibility in the offseason. It, it's a clear mistake. Until he pulls off a trade that brings him a right fielder or some sort of windfall, and it doesn't seem like that's coming, okay? Until that happens, it's a mistake. If it actually happens, I'll be the first one to say, Rick, you fooled even me. You're a genius. Well, yeah, and don't get me wrong. You know, any of my anger or any of my criticism of the team is couched by the fact that I think that this is one of the best times to be a White Sox fan in history of the of the franchise, okay? We've never had a team go back-to-back playoff appearances. Nobody, nobody, no fandom in, in White Sox history has, has had that. So we're very, very lucky and fortunate to be seeing this team, this talent, this caliber, but it does spoil the fandom a little bit. It spoils us, right? We want a little bit more. And I'm not going to sit here. I, I I won't criticize Rick Hahn for not signing an all-star right fielder because I never thought it was necessary. But let's say he doesn't have Dallas Keuchel's money or he doesn't have Craig Kimbrell's money. But that turns into somebody, you know, a competent outfielder like, say, Corey Dickerson, who is going to play some of the time while Adam Engel plays some of the time. And if Robert gets, you know, tweaked or something and needs a couple weeks off and you got Adam Engel moving over to, to center or if Aloy gets hurt, you got, you know, you've just got more options and more depth. I think Josh Harrison is going to be fine at second base. I have no issues with Josh Harrison versus Nick Madrigal. And I don't even, I don't even care to make that comparison. I'm glad you did, but I don't, I don't really think we need to. And frankly, if Nick Madrigal had been traded for something more or had been traded and Kimbrell had somehow moved us to the world series and gotten us over the top, I don't think I would even be at issue with that. But Madrigal being there means Harrison's money and Kimbrell not being here means Kimbrell's money could have been used on maybe not one player like some people want, but two or three players that would have built up the major league depth a little bit more. And I think that would be, that would be just the comfort food on top of it, right? That's the warm gooey Mac and cheese for White Sox fans to go along with a shot of Malort that they're going to take to prove that they're real oh White God. Sox fans. That's disgusting. You're, yeah, you're, you're gross. Right. You're, you're apps. I hope they don't, they don't, they don't serve that at double place. Alone, do they have the Malort? I'm sure they do. Who would drink that though? That's I, absolutely I, I'm disgusting. sure they do. I'm sure they've got it just in case oh. you need to win a bet against somebody oh. or, or somebody yeah. comes in from out of town and wants a local drink. It's an, it's an old school Southside bar in Blue Island. So, I mean, I would imagine they have it, but I would imagine when somebody pulls it out, everybody kind of laughs because it's that kind of atmosphere where everybody's just going to kind of turn around and be like, oh, let's see what happens to this guy. 11 Western Avenue in Blue Island. They got a newly remodeled private gaming area. They got $5 basket lunch specials, $13 Miller and Bud family buckets. And coming up on April 9th from 7 to 10 p.m., Troublemakers Athletic Club annual ham and bacon shoot. 
Now, this is some old school stuff. Okay, you get a raffle ticket, you can win a ham, you can win bacon, you can win both. Who knows? 20 hams, 200 pounds of bacon being handed out, 50-50 raffles, food out there. It's uh, for a great cause, and you might get Easter dinner or brunch or whatever whatever your tradition is on Easter. You might get it taken care of and not have to pay just, the exorbitant food prices. Just a mid-afternoon snack at that point, possibly. Right. I mean. <laughs> and then during the home opener on April 12th, they got a nacho and hot dog bar there, uh, and they got uh, also... A Sox ticket giveaways throughout. That nacho and hot dog bar is free. Anytime you get free hot dogs and free nachos, if you're around the island and you want to watch the uh, the home opener on TV, I won't be there. I'll be down at the ballpark. But if you want to watch it on TV, you want to go hang out in a really cool bar, 13011 Western Avenue with the Double Play Saloon in Blue Island. All right, l- let me ask you this, and then I, I want to update everybody as we get to the final couple days here of voting for the big off-season promotion that we did, the $1,000 guest bounty. If you had your pick right now of players on the roster, if Tony's so convinced that a real White Sox fan knows that they have the solution somewhere in their organization right now, who do you start and play the majority of the time in right field? And would that be your plan the whole year, or is there somebody else in the organization that you would expect to see about halfway up? Are you starting Vaughn out there? No, not anymore. Because I, I think, I think the experiment with Andrew Vaughn in right field has to be looked at critically. Because if he can't protect himself, and he's going to overextend himself, then that's going to be a problem. And 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 if he's not getting good reads on balls and things like that, it's not it's not a useful thing. I mean, honestly, if I had to to start the season, if I had to put somebody out there. Uh, I'm putting Adam Engel out there with the hope that either in the minors or, you know, perhaps with somebody else either on the roster or external comes and adds to the point where Engel can be a depth piece and not so much a guy that's every day just because I don't feel like you have four good, good outfielders on the team. So I would put Engel out there, but I would hope that maybe it's Cespedes um, if they can find a way to keep Michael Rodolfo around, if he can show that he can cut oh, down he's on the strikeouts, gone. he's going to be gone. Somebody, somebody's going to get him when he when they can't option him back. The way he's having a spring training, somebody gets him. And, and my point with the, with Micah is, look, I get it. I've heard the complaints. I've heard people talk about it. I've talked with you know a, a lot of the people that are on this show who cover minor league baseball. James Fox over at Future Sox. I've talked with him. He's like, yeah, the strikeout rate, the way that things have gone. If, if only he had one more year, then maybe. But it'd be crazy for them to bring him up. And my my point is, you know, Yerman Mercedes playing every day last year was crazy too. If this guy keeps playing at the rate that he's playing, if he keeps hitting the way that he's hitting down there, and you're out of options, and he's a better defensive right field option than Vaughn or Sheets, and we're talking about the eighth spot in the lineup, crazy Chris puts him out in right field to start the year and lets him play until he proves he can't and then lets him go. Because then when he proves he can't, maybe he somehow slips through. Because if he comes out of spring training hitting the way he's hitting, the Pirates are going to have him in right field. <laughs> like he's, he's not going right. to get back to the White Sox in the waivers process. On the, no, now, conservative Chris goes your way. I see Adam Engel out in right field. I'd rather go with the defense. I, I think he can hit well enough in that eighth spot. He's gonna He's got a little pop in the bat. He's going to help you out out there. He's going to make it easier for Luis Robert to patrol center field. I know he can cover everything, but why put unnecessary stress 
on maybe the best player on your team, making him cover that much from from right to left. Uh, Put him out there and let him play until maybe Yoki Cespedes, if he goes down and has a great first half in AAA, or maybe you're able to make a move and you bring in somebody uh, from outside. But I would start him. That's my conservative pick. Well, and when it comes to Adolfo, honestly, at this point, with the reality of Andrew Vaughn's injury, I mean, we, we don't have... He's two or three weeks, but then he's going to need some time to go back and get himself up to speed. So it's going to be a bit of time before we see Andrew Vaughn playing anyway. As it sits right now, with Vaughn injured, I'm not starting Gavin Sheets out in right field if I've got other options. So I would keep Adolfo around and give the kid a chance to prove that he belongs here because what's the worst, absolute bottom line worst case scenario is that he's not as good as you think he is or could be. And like you said, he can either slide through the waivers or he is just another prospect that didn't pan out and you let him go and he can go be a pirate and you don't get hurt by that. The best case scenario is he is what the Sox hoped he would be when they first brought him into the organization. And he holds that position down and you just have that much more depth and that much more ability or that much more of a trade opportunity to bring in something else that you might need, you know, somewhere along the line this season, because I do think that the other, you know, the other thing that's in the room, besides the fact that Craig Kimbrell still sitting out in the bullpen is uh, you have a starting rotation that could probably use just a little bit of tweaking still. And you could use a little bit more depth there than Vince Velasquez, you know, seemingly is going to be able to provide. All right. Liam Hendricks, uh, Jake Berger and David Sampson. The three big guests of the offseason that are the finalists when it comes to our $1,000 guest bounty, voting is still open and runs through the 31st. And then $1,000 is handed out. It's either going to Liam Hendricks' organization because he played for himself, Jake Berger's organization because he played for himself, or David Sampson was a fan who put him out there. And David is currently in the lead. That fan could be $1,000 richer. We're going to find that out here in the next couple of days. Who's going to win? The link to vote is in the show notes. If whatever podcast player you're using, you don't see the link and you can't click through in the show notes, just go to SocksInTheBasement.com and look at the show notes there. It takes you to a page at SocksOn35th.com where Jordan Lazowski is running the entire thing and keeping track of all the votes and making sure that nobody can double vote. And we're going to be awarding $1,000 from Elite Benefits of America where Butch Seymour wants to help you with your your company's health insurance and make it cost less for you and your employees. Check out all he has to offer at EliteBenefits.net. But $1,000 Going to be delivered very, very soon. The last days of voting for that. And uh, hopefully in the next couple of days, uh, we won't be insulted as a fan base anymore. Okay. Maybe, maybe just the team can go out and play and we can be fans and talk about it and debate what's going on with them like normal fans do. Because I don't think a normal fan just goes, I don't care what they do. I love my team and I just believe in them so much. I mean, they, those people do exist, but you know, there are an awful lot of people who care about their team so much that, like, let's say they would start a podcast out of nothing and now have this massive thing that all these people listen to and or start a blog like the folks over at Socks on 35th did because there are passionate fans who like to talk about these things. And this, I don't know, man, that was maybe the most hollow, stupidest thing that I've heard from the White Sox this year. That better be the worst thing that comes out of anybody's mouth over there uh, for the rest of the season. Oh, you should have seen what Tony called my mom yesterday. (laughs) Socks 
in the basement Socks in the basement Socks in the basement Socks in the basement Heard everywhere podcasts can be found And always on SocksInTheBasement.com